0: Hello and welcome to Cage Club, two fans, 74 movies, one cage. Today's movie is Captain Corelli's Mandolin from 2001. I'm Joey Lewandowski.
1: And I'm Mike Manzi.
0: And this movie was not at all the movie I expected it to be, based on its title.
1: I didn't exactly know what to expect. Like most of the movies I haven't watched yet for Cage Club, I try to go in as blank as possible. So I really didn't know what was going to happen in this movie. I wasn't expecting a period piece, and I didn't think it had anything to do with World War
0: II. If you had to guess, what do you think it would have been?
1: What I sort of conjured up in my mind, <laughs> Nicholas Cage was a sort of famous, maybe traveling mandolin player, or plays mandolin for change in the town square, and Penelope Cruz was going to fall in love with him. And that was sort of going to be the it would be sort of like a romance, uh, and maybe some elements we get into with the touch of Romeo and Juliet, a uh, family at odds type of drama, but yeah, not this.
0: For some reason, I thought he would be a member of some grand orchestra, and he would just right. be the mandolin player. I don't know in either of our versions where Captain comes into play.
1: <laughs> Maybe just a nickname that the locals would have given him in my movie. <laughs> I don't
0: know. What it turns out to be is almost kind of Time to Kill meets Moonstruck in a weird kind of way. In 1940, same time period as Time to Kill, as opposed to Ethiopia, where in Cephalonia, Greece. Cage plays an Italian soldier who comes into the country when Italy takes over. It's in the midst of World War II. Italy and Germany are on the same side, and they come in, they both occupy half the country. It's like this also kind of like forbidden love story. The reason I sort of thought it was like Moonstruck, and it's sort of as the movie goes on, it doesn't necessarily play out this way, but he doesn't show up for about half an hour, and the woman he's going to fall in love with is already sort of betrothed to another man. So it's him sort of swooping in, knocking someone off their feet, and having her fall in love with him.
1: Like you say, he doesn't really show up for a while, and the cage tension was killing me, because (laughs) I didn't know when he was going to appear. You know, the movie was really sort of getting on with itself, right? The first half hour of this movie could have been a movie in and of itself. Uh, It's almost a prelude to... The captain's arrival, if you will, in a lot of ways, and, you know, we get such a great cage entrance in this film from him as well, so, you know, I was not disappointed when he uh, arrived on the scene. I think it's kind of interesting, the parallels to Time to Kill here, because in that movie he was part of the Italian army sent into another country to sort of maintain order for the Germans, and, and this is sort of the same, same situation, where he's part of a regiment that is sent to this very remote island in Greece, uh, basically the middle of nowhere, these guys are just sort of sent there to, I don't know, be a presence, right? Just to kind of claim the land, and just very interesting how different, you know, his character in Time to Kill, his approach to war, and the captain's approach to war in life, you know, it's just very different characters uh, coming from a very similar circumstance.
0: What's kind of interesting about that is that this movie almost does, it seems for a lot of the time that the movie is really kind of intent on showing us that all these guys are not necessarily bad guys, that they're all these corrupt, horrible warmongers, right? That Cage is a captain in the Italian army monopolizing this Grecian island. David Morrissey, the governor from The Walking Dead, is this captain of the Nazi army. They both are, like, humanized. It's interesting to sort of see the different kind of perspective that they're not just, like, this face of evil, that because we're able to sort of see, at least from Cage's side there's kind of like a human element there. It lets you see a different kind of perspective that, you know, he doesn't necessarily want to be on this island. He doesn't feel like it's right that he's just living in Penelope Cruz and her father's house. He's just sort of there because he's supposed to be there. Like, he's just kind of following orders. I think it's just kind of a cool, unique perspective that we haven't necessarily seen too often in other war movies. Yeah,
1: and if memory serves, there were a couple war movies coming out around this time if i'm not mistaken it was around the time of private ryan and you know war movies world war ii was coming back around as a as a genre i don't know it almost feels like the lost war world war ii in a way right like it's hard to imagine that the nazis were literally like trying to populate every corner of the world no matter like where it was like this just seems like such an insignificant part of the world to need to conquer you know what I mean so it's interesting that the people of this town and the soldiers sort of share this common attitude where it's like we don't want to be invaded obviously and the soldiers are like well we don't necessarily love the Nazis and you know (laughs) we're we were sort of plucked from our village too and put guns in our hands and just kind of sent here against our will they really get that across very well to, like you say, humanize these soldiers that in most war movies would be kind of faceless bad guys in a lot of ways.
0: And that'll really sort of come up very prominently later in the film where there's the joint Greek-Italian rebellion. And I want to go back to sort of before Cage shows up, because you're right, it's like this whole movie within the movie. Let me take even a step further back, that if you look at IMDb, the first page, like the main page, Cage isn't even listed. And it's not listed in order of appearance. There's, like, Penelope Cruz at the top, John Hurt, Christian Bale, the other big names of the movie. Penelope Cruz isn't the first person you see, though. You see the guy with the pee in his ear, right?
1: Yeah, her father is the island doctor played by John Hurt, and he's sort of doing his daily rounds, right? And we're getting a brief look at the peaceful side of island life.
0: And you have, like, Christian Bale and Penelope Cruz in this relationship that they seem you know, for all intents and purposes, very much in love. They're dancing together. There's kind of like a funny moment where they're having like a celebration on the island and this guy lights off a cannon. It's like this is the worst thing that could happen to them. They shoot off a cannon and it sort of gets near Christian Bale and like he kind of gets scorched on the butt. He's not hurt. He just sort of like singed with a little bit of fire and like this is a calamity in this island. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. this is like a big deal that this is sort of the worst thing that they've been through. Little do they know that in, you know, 15, 20 minutes of screen time, they're going to have an entire Italian army invading because the war is happening.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that there's just, like, they set up how there's no threat here, right? Even John Hurt sort of talks about briefly the only thing they really need to worry about are earthquakes, you know? (laughs) Like, ever since people have inhabited this island, there hasn't really been much of a disturbance except for these natural disturbances, forces of nature. And, you know, maybe along the way, love becomes one of those forces of nature. But, yeah, you're right. Like, I almost feel like Christian Bale and Penelope Cruz come across like teenagers or children, you know? Clearly, they're older, but in their attitude and in the way they live and they don't have a care in the world and anything like that so yes it's just like this very innocent setting that's about to see a very dark turn and, and if I just may uh, I was not aware John Hurt was in this movie uh, so that was just like a nice delight in the beginning I was like oh okay like he's, he's a very good actor I enjoy his work and then Christian Bale I was like so taken aback that he was in this film uh, it was like one of those great surprises where I was like one of these undiscovered Bale performances I had never seen before.
0: I mean, it's a movie starring Batman and almost Superman. How (laughs) can you not love Captain Corelli's Mandolin? But of the period of 1940, they're in this sort of idyllic island setting. They hear on the radio that Italy is on the warpath. The Greek people of the island sort of form together. They band together. They decide that they're going to hold off the Italian forces. I'm assuming in this world, we don't really know the scope of things, But I'm assuming that all the men of age 18 to 30 or 40 or whatever on the island, like they're all kind of just unite to go take on the Italians. And there are 8,000 of them and 14,000 Italians. They win, like they hold off the Italians. Christian Bale and Penelope Cruz commit to each other before he goes off to war and he comes back. It's almost like a false moment of celebration that this little island that could, this thing that nothing bad has ever happened to them, they finally faced opposition and they won. It's kind of a cool little moment, but it's not something that will last for very long because now that Italy wasn't able to take over this island... Hitler and Germany are coming and they're gonna do things, I guess, the right way.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting to see how like, you know, all the men of the island get together and sort of take off, right? Like anyone who can fight, if those men don't come back, they're losing the future, right? There's right. there's not gonna be any men to have children with and stuff. So like those are pretty drastic stakes for people that live in such a remote place, but they're so against Mussolini and against Hitler and Italy and all this that yeah, it seems that as if just through sheer will and enforced like they managed to hold back the italians at albania or the albanian border the whole time penelope cruz is like writing to christian bale and she gets like no replies so you know i'm just thinking that's it like that's the end of his character (laughs) like he was a cameo of some kind maybe he's out of the film but no like he he actually makes his way back to the island and you know he looks like batman after taking eight years (laughs) off right like he is just big beard messed up like broken back or (laughs) just all kinds of problems and everything like that even though we don't see the grander war going on we get such like a good sense of how it's happening in the background like they say you know oh we may have won the battle but hitler is gonna pretty much punish mussolini by sending even more troops to do what he couldn't in a way right and that sort of kicks off this full-fledged invasion of their little island
0: i mean obviously we're too young to really know what it was like in europe at that time but i feel like that's almost indicative of the whole experience right that you can win these little battles You can have these triumphant little moments. At the end of the day, there's still the ultimate evil with his massive, unstoppable army. You're just, like, sort of fighting for a little bit more time, a little bit more amount of peace. You can beat the Italians in Albania, but sooner or later, like, things are not going to go your way. And it's when Hitler and Germany come to Cephalonia that Cage shows up, too. The island is sort of under the Axis control. This group of Italians show up. And they're just marching, and they just sort of basically just seem to stroll into town, right? Like, they own the joint.
1: Yeah, so I think what's going on here is we're seeing just the full-on invasion of this island town, right? Like, this is just the way it would be when army comes and takes over your land, right? They march through the street to show their force and put all their tanks on parade and set up camp on the beach. They go to the town square and demand the mayor surrender the town before they officially take control.
0: Yeah, so, like, Cage walks in, and a of course the first person he really sees the first thing we see cage do is he spots penelope cruz and he says Bella
1: Bambina, two o'clock.
0: Attention. and then as he walks by her salutes her beauty he's this oversized personality who's just there to sort of leave his mark and kind of have a good time in a situation he doesn't necessarily want to be in. But we also find out that he's kind of, like, maybe the most important. Like, I'm not sure if the captain, like, if he's in charge of all these men. I didn't really get a sense of that. I feel like he still has superiors on the island, but he's kind of this translator. That everybody in this movie is speaking English, but I guess that's just for simplicity's sake, that there's people speaking Greek people speaking Italian. Up to this point, you know, it's a movie about war, a movie about catastrophic loss and death and love. I wasn't sure how heavy they were going to go into it. The movie drops a few (laughs) F-bombs real early. Fuck off.
1: Have you told the mayor that unless we receive the surrender the town's authorities in five minutes, will mobilize our troops and storm the building? The mayor says if you don't know what fuck off means... Then come inside and we'll show you.
0: We refuse to surrender to a nation that we have defeated in Albania and we reserve the right to surrender to a German officer of significant rank. So fuck off. And I'm like, oh, they're going for like a hard R, like out of the gate, no holding back. Like, now that they have the language requirement to be an R rated movie, like, what else are we going to see in this movie?
1: Yeah, sort of the gloves are off at that point, right? Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> There's a couple interesting things about Captain Corelli right off the bat when he shows up. He's happy. That's very unusual for anyone in this situation to sort of carry themselves in this jovial sense. It's almost as if he thinks this is all for show and nothing really bad's going to happen anyway. As long as they can wait it out long enough, everyone's going to go back home and he'll be playing the mandolin in no time whatsoever, plucking grapes and drinking wine, perhaps. That's what kind of throws off Penelope Cruz right away, too, is that she full on just expects immediately for everyone to be these terrible fascist guys, you know, like Nazis, right? But the Italians, you know, they're very much not like Nazis. And I think they do a good job with Corelli in the beginning, setting him apart, making him unique, using him. Him as an in in a few ways to get you to sort of accept other aspects of this movie, like the accents. You know, uh, <laughs> I I understand what they're going for. You can't have everybody speaking a different language with subtitles, which would have been amazing. But I don't exactly know if the accents were the best way to go. At times it's okay, but at times it's really not for me. And 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 Nick Cage isn't the only one. I, I kind of have a problem with Christian Bale's accent at times too. Penelope Cruz's natural accent is just is just <laughs> (laughs) Throwing me off even more, you know? I don't know if they realized it was working or not, but for me, the accent actually gives me moments of levity and comedy in an otherwise sort of depressing yet hopeful movie.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about the accents. I mean, Cage can sort of pull off the Italian accent. The accents aren't necessarily great. I really wonder if. I think it's time to talk about Penelope Cruz. She's not a great actress. Like she's okay, she's fine. I feel like she's being cast in a lot of movies at this time because she's just beautiful, not because she's the best actress. And in fact, she was nominated for a Razzie this year for this movie, Blow and Vanilla Sky. Oof, triple. And tri- I don't trifecta. think that <laughs> I don't think that this is necessarily bad. Like if this was the only movie that she did like so this wasn't like a massive movie. Like it had a fifty seven million dollar budget, which I can see but only wound up making about $25 in America. So it's not like a massive movie. I think that her Razzie is kind of this triumvirate of movies. They're just highlighting the fact that she can't really speak English. And I really wonder if the accents in this movie were done such that it fits the time period, or makes her accent seem less out of place. It's always weird to look at Cage, especially after seeing almost 40 of his movies, and see him speak in an accent. You know what I mean? And this one feels like it's almost natural, like it's adjacent to natural, but it's not what we're expecting to hear when he opens his mouth.
1: This is tough because I actually didn't find Penelope Cruz to be bad in this film. I thought she serviced the role, but that's the thing. I just didn't feel like the role was enough for the character right like she's so central to the film but i don't get this strong sense of her falling in and out of love with christian bale and then falling in love with captain corelli i don't know if it's her or the character to be honest again like i'm not sure if her or john hurt or christian bale did they necessarily look greek to me i don't know like none of that really bothers me so much in this movie i guess because i'm like pretty much digging this story you kind of like this idea of this soft invasion if you will you know where like the invaders and the town folk find this common ground along the way i don't know it's an especially strange sort of story so maybe these strange you know acting choices are helping it along the way a little bit i get what you're saying about cage too like we've heard him do better accents he didn't try and pull one off in time to kill an italian accent as far as i can remember i actually thought this one was a little too over the top maybe he was going for being more in period as it were where they might have just spoken more of an exaggerated tone or something like that he would open his mouth and yeah i was not expecting him to sound like that and at times it just felt a little too over the top for me
0: there's not a lot of information about this movie online so i don't know what they were really going for i know it's based on a novel so i guess maybe they want to lend some kind of authenticity
1: it's just strange, especially when you get scenes of Christian Bale and Nicolas Cage together with their dueling accents, and I don't know, like it, that, at, at those moments, you know what I'm talking about? I think it's at those moments where kind of loses me. It, it, it sort of holds its own when one or the other are on the screen, but I don't know. For some reason, I, I can't handle everyone doing their accents. The governor isn't really putting that much of a German spin on his tone no. except right? And, and John Hurt doesn't really seem to be swinging very hard with his accent either so it just stands out for me
0: so one thing that i really like about this movie and about cage's role and sort of his troop as a whole we're introduced to them coming into town we know that he's you know happy and upbeat but we don't necessarily know the kind of person that he is like how he runs his troops we don't know what kind of leader he is and this guy carlo comes up and he introduces himself and he's like I'm, I'm here to report for duty sir and cage says you know where have you served and the guy's like I- we, i've served in albania and he's like, well, none of us have fought, so like you've done enough fighting for all of us. It seems like Cage has, and the rest of his guys, kind of have no real desire to be doing any of this. The way that they kind of find enjoyment in going around the world and sort of forcibly living their lives with, others, with other people is by singing. It's through music. Carlo, can you sing? Let's hear you sing.
1: Oh mio babino caro Mi piace bello,
0: bello No matter everyone in our battery is a member of the Opera Society These are the rules of engagement one all those called regular musical fatigue shall be obliged to play a musical instrument. Uh, spoons, the helmet, comb, paper, and so on and so on. Two, anyone who says that Donizetti is better than Berry <laughs> shall be required to sing Funiculi Funicula and other songs about railways. Three, um, three, uh, ah.
1: Yeah, so I kind of created, like, this little backstory to Captain Corelli. It's a little theory of mine. Like, this is just something I'm bringing to the movie, and it's something I just made up out of what Cage is giving me on the screen, you know? So, like, I concocted this backstory thinking maybe the, you know, army came to town and is like, you know, we need men to go fight, right? And I get the sense Corelli may have not volunteered, but maybe, like, if I could go there and sort of kill him with kindness or be like this, bright face on rainy days or just, you know what I'm saying? Like try and promote this sense of life and like what, What's worth fighting for? Maybe I can defuse certain situations or cause certain people not to die, or I don't know. I just got this sense out of him that he was there to not fight, right? Like he's trying to prevent fights if he can. I don't know if that comes across at all, but that's something I was thinking while he was talking to this guy. He's like, you know, you fought enough for us. We're not fighters. We're lovers, you know. In fact, we're we're an opera (laughs) troupe.
0: He's almost there to change the face of war. We've done things this way for a long time. Like now, we're going to add a lot more music to war, and like we're. We're going to put some positive PR spin on war, if I can help it. We're going to make things a little bit better, a little bit more happy, all sorts of fun stuff. But, yeah, it's
1: like, you know, why does an invasion need to be people's boots stomping on other people's faces the whole time, right? Like, we're not Nazis. Like, let's try and have this peaceful invasion if we can. It's worth a try.
0: And this is the point in the movie where Bale returns, and we sort of get, for a little bit, for not too long, and I feel like they could have played it up a little bit more, we get a little bit of a love triangle and what's weird about this movie and i kind of want to get a sense if you felt the same way it's hard to track who is in love with who and who other people want other people to be in love with (laughs) yeah cage from the beginning is sort of professing his love like he sees the bella bambina and he professes his love to her pretty much right there on the street I mean, he'll show up a little bit later with a flower and really drunk and sort of again professes love to her. You're drunk. Yes, I confess. We've been drinking, singing, genuinely misbehaving.
1: I thought you were a soldier. Captain Antonio Corelli, 33rd
0: Regiment Artillery, reporting for duty.
1: Is everything I joke to you?
0: No, not everything.
1: Captain Corelli... I think this would be a good time to hear you play the
0: mandolin. She is kind of... I guess she's kind of love at first sight, almost like that Romeo and Juliet valley girl on the beach. You know, she sees him and she's in love... She thinks she's in love with Christian Bale, but she's actually now maybe in love with Cage, and her dad is sort of trying to be like this elderly words of wisdom kind of guy. Everybody in this movie has some kind of journey, not about who they love, but about, like, who Penelope Cruz should love. In a time before TV, she's, like, their TV show. like this beautiful woman. Like, who is she going to fall in love with? And it seems like everybody in this movie has an opinion on who she should start dating.
1: I don't want to get too stereotypical, but I had like this by Big Fat Greek Wedding sort of flashback. Like, I don't know if you ever saw that movie, but it's like this Greek woman's entire family sort of, why aren't you married? Her life is like their entertainment in a, in a way, and I sort of got that vibe here. Her personal life is everyone else's business in a way. I am a little confused at times as to, you know, who's on what side, but Right off the bat, her dad is like, don't marry Christian Bale. Like, you got to marry a foreigner. Christian Bale, like, he's just a kid. He doesn't know any better. Like, he might not even love you, just thinks he should love you because you're so beautiful. And Mandris' mom is like, oh, why aren't you getting married to Penelope Cruz? What's wrong with you? So, like, there's all this weird, we know what's best for who going on. And and no one even really knows what they really want, at least alone, like, Penelope Cruz. I never get a strong bead on her and Christian Bale's sort of love when he comes back and sees his island invaded then I see that she wants to side with him you know like sort of the loyalty of being Greek and everything like that but it almost feels like Captain Corelli, forget—it's like his mandolin is magical, and like as soon as he strums one string, she's struck with Cupid's arrow, and like needs to be with him. It's a little uneven and a little confusing, but I still found it entertaining.
0: I feel like she's almost with Christian Bale—that she's just with him out of convenience because he's there. They're both beautiful, and they're both young, and they're both Greek, and they're both in this little town. And when Cage comes in and Christian Bale leaves. It's like this whole new world of possibility. Like, the island is going through something now that they've never gone through before. She's introduced to the outside world. You were saying that her father's saying you need to marry an outsider. He's apparently got some, like, Norwegian dentist lined up for her to marry. (laughs) It's sort of weird, and I'm not sure exactly how it tracks, but, like, Cage and his Italian army coming in, along with the Germans, kind of give the island something new, but also give Penelope Cruz something new. And it's like she thought she was in love with Christian Bale that she thought this was like what happiness and what love were. And then she sees Nicolas Cage with his magical mandolin fingers and, you know, beautiful melodic sounds. She's like, oh, I've been living a lie. Like, I wasn't in love, but I guess now I'm in love.
1: What makes it even a little more complex, I suppose, is that Captain Corelli is staying in Penelope Cruz's house like it was when <laughs> when a country would invade you know you would have to house their soldiers in, in your house. He's staying there of all places you know what a coincidence. Um, there are moments where they play up this idea that she kind of can't get away from him you know like uh, you're in my house you're in my life you're forced upon me I don't want this I don't want this over time I feel like not that she gets used to it but she sort of opens herself up to the idea of These new experiences and something new, right? Like when she sees that her father doesn't perceive Corelli as a threat in the way that he hates the Nazis or Mussolini, then she sort of is willing to give him more of a try, I suppose. And and from that point on, I understand if she starts falling more in love.
0: I think it's that shift in her father's opinion of Cage. It's all really apparent in that kind of awkward family dinner scene. The three of them are eating, and it's just like this really kind of awkward, tense moment. That Penelope Cruz feels like she should hate Cage, but her father, I don't know if he necessarily likes him he agreed he says later in the movie that it's his duty he agreed to house him so while he's there he's going to treat him like a guest he's going to treat him well cage doesn't necessarily want to be on the island but he's going to make the most of his time and it's just like this kind of awkward funny little scene and then cage busts out his mandolin aside from waiting 45 measures to get to the mandolin part it's this little moment where the whole family you see penelope cruz they are kind of falling in love with him And you see the father sort of, I guess, sensing that she is finally approaching true happiness. It's like this one three-minute scene. It's almost at this moment that Christian Bale is just cast aside. It's like this is the moment where everything is different. Penelope Cruz has sort of found what she's supposed to do in life
1: christian bale bails again you know (laughs) pun intended bale bails on her like he decides he's gonna go and fight on the front like he's like you know i'm gonna try and assemble the greeks and see what we can do
0: doesn't he like talk down to her too like while he's leaving like you wouldn't understand like i need to go do this like this is just what i'm you stay here i'm gonna go i have a better purpose a higher calling
1: yeah yeah he he almost sort of loses faith in her in a way like he's like you know the captain's staying in your house like you should kill him you know like let's plot to murder this guy and like that'll help a lot because he's in charge of like the 34th artillery battalion or something you know like well this guy's important we could do something here and she's like I can't do that and he's like whose side are you on almost is the sense that I get from him right he doesn't come out and say it necessarily but you can kind of see it where he's like this is I've seen the war the war is real you got to open your eyes a little wider and and see what's really going on out there and and he kind of takes off leaving her to sort of run into the arms of Corelli
0: and then we get the maybe the best scene in the movie the most cage club this movie really gets (laughs) cage now that he sort of a little bit has the affection like he's feeling better than ever he then goes with his troop to the beach cage back on the beach feeling the power and it's just like an orchestra conductor like he's just there's just a bunch of italian dudes singing opera on the beach and he's conducting them like i wish that this was the music that the seths heard in the City of Angels, while they were on the beach <laughs> soaking in the sunlight, Cage's Italian troops singing whatever opera song it is.
1: So I've had this song stuck in my head for the last... 48 hours, I guess, because he sings this song in the beginning of The Family Man. It's La Donde Immobile, loosely translated to The Woman is Fickle from the opera Rigoletto. I had to look it up and I had to write that down because I've been walking around whistling this, singing this. I mean, this is officially one of my Cage Club anthems.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's so much fun. Like in a movie that's about war and it's ostensibly about death, There's just so many fun moments. Like, they're not there ironically. It's just there to show the contrast. Like, it just works so well. And it's this genuine moment of happiness for both the audience and for Cage. You sort of see that Cage not only is into the music, but he's also kind of, like, anti-authority and military. At least he's, like, rude to the Germans. He's like, we may have to be here, but, like, I don't have to respect you. Like, I'm going to go do my thing. If I can just, like, hang out on this island and kick back, live with a beautiful girl and just sing opera all the time. Like that's what I'm going to do
1: this scene is really great and and really kind of stood apart for me because this scene got me behind Captain Corelli like 100% you know I don't see him as a bad guy after this sequence especially when David Morrissey you know he's like the German confidant or he's like the one German around the Nazis need some sort of overseer to report back and tell them what the Italians are up to on this island they've just taken and yeah he comes over and he's kind of like you know can I join the party And, (laughs) and Cage is like of course you know and they kind of give him like a a good ribbing and they make fun of him but he also starts to open up too in this scene right like he is a nazi but maybe i can try and be like these guys they're nothing like the people i fight with they're nothing like a soldier i'm aware of right? these guys are soldiers i can't believe it like you get the sense that their personalities and their nature is just infecting other people right he's like i want to be like these guys i don't want to be a boot stomping goose stepping nazi i want to be you know a loving singing italian soldier
0: what i think kind of makes that extra effective is that we don't really get too many nazis higher in rank than him that he's kind of like in charge of this island like you can like they almost turn him like he doesn't he never quite turns i mean he has sort of a moment of humanity a little bit later in the movie it almost makes you wonder if cage and his day and like his troop of singing italians had gone and hung out with Hitler and just, like, said, hey, like, you know, let's, instead of war, like, let's just talk about music. Like, as long as you don't (laughs) like Wagner, as long as you like the Italian composers, like, we're going to be cool. Like, let's just have a good time, man.
1: It drives home, like, two things for me. These guys, they've never seen battle, right? They're not soldiers. They don't really belong there, and they don't want to be fighting. So, like, it's in a weird way, it's like they're not responsible or they don't feel responsible for the way they are imposing on the town. You know, they try and have like these get togethers and be as polite as possible and things like that. And then the second thing I was, I was kind of thinking is like, you know, if the weapon was music and, and laughter, like, could they have just formed this incredible musical army and marched across the world, you know, bringing peace everywhere? It, it almost feels like Corelli believes that could be possible.
0: It gives us this great you know, sense of happiness, sense of possibility, the transformative power of music, and Cage is on this high, and then he goes back to the house and Penelope Cruz pulls a gun on him and like it kind of brings him and the movie and us all crashing back down. We're so far behind this guy that he's like, he's genuinely like a good guy. He doesn't want to be invading and sort of living in this town. But Penelope Cruz sort of lays it all out for Cage and like, hey like your people came into our town, completely disrupted everything we're doing Not cool, dude. It must be very difficult for you to have to put up with
1: us. It must be very difficult for you to have to live with yourself. You lie in the sun and swim in the sea and flirt with your prostitutes. And there are people I know, people I grew up with, who are fighting for their lives and dying for what they believe in. And all you do is sing. What's there to sing about? We are in the middle of a war, not an opera house. And you, you think you are so cultured with your pasta and your panettone and your pasta opera. Why don't you take your holiday on somebody else's island? he gets it. He's like, you're right. I've kind of been an ass, right? Like, I haven't been able to see your pain. And he genuinely asks for her forgiveness, right? She's like, you come in here and you're singing and all this stuff. He's like, what is there to sing about? And he's like, well, you know, life and love and all this kind of stuff, right? And I'm thinking this is more of his sort of smooth talk, right? Like, this is the kind of stuff I'm supposed to realize is what's turning Penelope Cruz. She has this conception about him. He's just like all the rest. And every time she confronts him about it, he surprises her by either apologizing, or playing a beautiful mandolin song, or giving her a flower, or just doing something that she's not expecting of him. What is there to sing about? There is singing when babies are baptized. When you celebrate a marriage. Men sing as they work. Soldiers sing as they march into battle. And there is singing when people die. I've always found something in life worth singing about. And for that, I cannot apologize. For the fact
0: that I've caused you pain, I cannot apologize enough. I have not been able to imagine until now the offense I've given
1: but you're right, it's a powerful moment when she's holding that gun and you're like, Oh
0: yeah, like he's a bad guy. Like I forgot. <laughs> he does see her point and like he sees her point so much that he's like, Alright, like I realize that I ruined your life, like I'm gonna get out of here. Like I know that I'm supposed to live here, but I'm gonna go stay with my men at the encampment. He's like, I don't want to make your life a burden, like I know that you didn't ask for this, like I'm just gonna get out of here and he leaves and then he doesn't see her again until the Italians kind of throw like a party almost in like the town square. And they have music playing, and they're singing, and they invite all the Greeks, and I guess because it's kind of a military state, like, it seems like the whole island shows up. Like, again, this is sort of one where it's like, do they want to be there? Like, are they being forced to be there? Like, everybody's sort of dressed up, and everybody seems sort of polite there's still, like, that underlying tension, right? The people who are throwing this party are here against our will. This might be, like, an okay night, but, like, let's remember why we're here and why they're here.
1: This party is a really tough sell. The invading forces basically say, let's just try and make the best of a bad situation. You know, we're we're all human here. Let's just for one night maybe we could coexist and forget there's a horrible war going on a for effort you know like even just for trying you know that had to have been corelli's idea i don't think his superiors really give a shit if these people like him or not there's something in him that says like we need to kind of keep these people at ease or like let's just keep tension down as much as possible it's, It ends up being sort of a sort of an awkward comical weird scene but i don't know it's it's very interesting you see the town and the soldiers and in this moment they're They're all just, you know, trying to forget this horrible war and laugh and play and and just have fun if they can.
0: And at the center of it all is Penelope Cruz playing this, like, crazy game of jealousy. You know, Italian men are asking the Greeks to dance, and they're all pretty much saying no. And then she sees Cage eyeing her from across the way. And so to sort of get back at him, like, it's weird. Like, I don't know at this point in the movie if she's in love with him and trying to refuse it. If she feels things for him and is trying to, like, tell herself, like, no, this is wrong, I'm going to make him mad. And then she starts dancing with a guy... And it's sort of her dancing with Cage's friend that makes Cage realize that, oh, I'm really in love with this woman because he's like, the way you dance, the way you turn your head, like I knew right there you had me, like I was done.
1: I took this as sort of the ultimate game of super flirt, (laughs) you know, it's like the 1940s version of, you know, flirtation. It almost feels like a school dance at at this point when people are being rejected by Penelope Cruz and then she just kind of chooses one guy and and they tango I believe and she's like an amazing dancer and all eyes are on her. Cage is just further in love with this woman now that he knows that she's an amazing dancer and she looks great on the dance floor and she's just even more beautiful than he can imagine. He has professed his love to her, I believe, right? at By this yep. point. So she's sort of aware, you know, I'm sure in her head, maybe she's thinking Batman's out doing his Batman thing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's trying to do that. Like he may never come back. This guy's here. He loves me. He's the best of the worst. Maybe she's turning here and like yeah I, I can hook this guy i might go for
0: it her heart is really the dawn of justice of this movie. <laughs> but then like there's a weird like the again kind of like a tonal shift and i want to say i don't want it to seem like this movie is just jumping all over the place because we're sort of skipping around a little bit it all kind of works in terms of going from moments of like happiness and not complete contempt for these italians to the next scene being something really bad happening. And so like it works. It's, it's like sort of like a nice little roller coaster of way that the Greeks feel about the Italians. It seemed like the movie's making these really big jumps and it kind of does make pretty big jumps, but it all sort of works. And so that's why when like the next scene there's just a turkish bomb that the little girl finds on the beach, you know, they just had this great night before of dancing and singing and now like there's this threat this imminent threat this reminder of the war and cage has to disarm it or he volunteers to disarm it anyway and it's kind of like the anti-face-off right like in that movie cage had planted a bomb that was going to kill a lot of people in this movie he has to be the one to defuse the bomb
1: Yeah, and what's kind of interesting about this sequence is it's pretty much all the action these guys have ever seen. This is basically the first maneuver Cage and his entire unit are going to perform. They kind of end up screwing it up, right? Like, they go to set the sandbags, and the fuse is too short, so they have to move the sandbags closer to make the bunker. But then it's too close, and when they detonate the bomb, it kind of blows up a couple guys, or the blast is too close, and Captain Corelli gets sort of caught in the crossfire
0: and he gets hurt and he's temporarily deaf the movie opens up with penelope cruz's father curing this man of lifelong deafness just by removing a moldy dead black pea from his ear like it's just sort of like this weird quirky treatment cage becomes deaf and it's kind of the beginning of the movie all over again am i reading too far into this like there's got to be more than just like a coincidence why he's deaf is it just saying that like her father will be able to heal him and sort of get him the care that he needs vis-a-vis Penelope Cruz's heart?
1: I'm not sure. I just kind of saw it as this kind of connection. It opened with a guy being cured of deafness, and now we have a guy who has become deaf. And it was just sort of a way to get him to the doctor's office. But what I kind of took out of this is that Penelope Cruz is now gets to play nurse, you know, and we can get like a Florence Nightingale type effect starting to happen. And maybe as she's nursing Corelli back to life, like that's when the deep, deep love will sort of start to fall.
0: It is sort of her nursing him back to health that really, again... Like, I feel like we've said it a couple times, but, like, this is the moment or this is the scene where he really falls in love with her even deeper. And they go and they he plays more music. At this point, I wrote down that, like, this is maybe the closest we're ever going to get to a Cage musical. <laughs> like, I feel like every 10 or 15 minutes, like, there's a music scene. Like, he's just playing the mandolin. He's singing with his friends. But then they ask him, like, what song he was playing. He says it's Pelagia's song. It's a song that I wrote for Penelope Cruz because I'm in love with her. Again, he confesses his love to her it seems almost like you know the third or fourth time that he has done this that he's been like hey i'm not messing around like i really am in love with you and this is finally when she breaks down and they have a real nice little make out compromise session in the woods
1: and this is all occurring after they get news that the allies have landed in italy the axis are being pushed back there's sort of like this air of celebration going on right like everybody's singing and celebrating and they kind of think the war is over in a way you know i've been thinking this whole place has sort of been luxury island to begin with and now it's becoming like fantasy island i don't know or something like that but yeah they're having another sort of dance or they're having more celebration in the town square and he and he plays that song for her That is all she wrote, you know? Once a guy basically plays a song he wrote for a girl, the hooks are in.
0: And compromise begins. (laughs) What's kind of funny, I don't know if it's supposed to be funny, that she comes back to the house... And the first thing her dad says to her is like, hey, next time you see him, tell him I have his mandolin. And she's just like, what? Like a father's intuition. Like, he just knows his daughter. He knows that she's happy.
1: Yeah, and and he's kind of like, you gotta go talk to Mandras' mom and, you know, let her down easy. (laughs) You know, even though he's out fighting, you just have to be respectful and and go tell her that you're not in love with his son anymore. and And Like, he's kind of, you know, he's like, okay, I accept you and the captain. Now, you know, you sort of have this responsibility to Set things straight and do the right thing. It's just kind of adorable, right? That John Hurt is like, ah, like I wanted her to fall in love with like a foreigner and
0: and she has. He gives this really like big, like, this is what love is speech and he basically describes like what she's feeling. He's like, do you feel that with. Christian Bale, and she's just like no. And then she, he's like, "Do you feel that with the captain?" And she's just like, "Yeah." Like he's like, "Well, if that's how you feel, like you need to go take care of business. This is totally okay. Like I think this is the right thing for you, but you got to be an adult here. Like you were saying earlier in the movie, they're kind of these kids in love with nothing bad around them, and now like you basically have to, for the first time on movie, take a little responsibility. And like, you can have this love, but you sort of have to make sure that everything else lines up."
1: And around this time, too, where I'm starting to accept and buy into her awakening here for the captain and stuff, I'm starting to sort of see these parallels to her sexual and emotional liberation and the island's liberation over the Italians and the Nazis, right? There's a little bit of that happening. As she's going to fall deeper in love, the war is going to get closer and closer and things are going to get much worse for the island.
0: And it's almost at a time where it seems like things are getting better for the island, right? Like Mussolini has fallen and the Italians are leaving, but that also means that Cage might be leaving. The island is being freed, but like this is also, as she's finally fallen in love with Cage and sort of given into her heart and what her heart wants, it's kind of being taken away. All these people, are at least Cage and Bale, were fighting for her heart. Now the new object of affection. Now that we sort of have the Cage Penelope Cruz love line locked down, the new object of affection becomes the Italians' guns. Christian Bale wants them for the island to defend themselves against whatever shows up, and the Germans want the guns. So they're like, "Hey, if you're leaving, like, we're gonna take the guns from you." The movie does a really good job of like having conflict and resolving that conflict, and then almost immediately presenting a new conflict and a new source of what people want and what people need and what's going to happen and what's going to drive the rest of this movie.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. It, it does a good job of roller coastering, right? It, it goes up and then down and up and right, like emotionally, it's got these ups and downs, and that's just so much more satisfying than dealing with one thing for the entire movie or not having it pay off properly or being set up correctly and things and this movie is doing that well that's why i'm almost willing to forgive all these accents because i'm enjoying the story and i like the way it's plotting another example of good to bad or bad to worse the americans or the allied forces have taken mussolini out of the picture hitler is super pissed so (laughs) like he basically Reinvades this little island, but he sends all the Nazis there this time, right? It's a Nazi invasion, full on. They're coming in with nothing but force. They're gonna bomb the shit out of this place from the sky. They're gonna come in from the sea, and they're just gonna trot all over this island.
0: Not that war is like a series of agreements, but like this is not what the island agreed to. This is not what the Italians agreed to. The plan was basically like, hey, you know, Mussolini was fallen. We're gonna leave. Germans, like you might leave too. Like who knows what's gonna happen. <laughs> There's suddenly more Germans than ever on the island, like you were saying. And they're like, all right, hand over your guns. And the one guy, like, flicks his cigarette. He's like, I'll give you my gun after I'm done smoking this cigarette. And he flicks the cigarette at a German guy. And the German guy just shoots a bunch of Italians. And then this, like, makes Cage real mad. Because his group of guys, who's never really seen war, is now being gunned essentially by, like, an ally. And he goes, and he's furious. And he's, like, fighting on behalf of his men sort of to no avail and this is kind of what inspires him almost to team up with the island the enemy of my enemy is my friend we might have invaded your island but like we both hate the nazis right yeah he he becomes
1: like severely disillusioned by like this chain of command because he was like you know we're italians we fought for mussolini we get that we're not gonna keep fighting for the nazis you know like italy's pretty much out of this at this point we we're supposed to go home and the nazis you know in true form are sort of just welshing on this their deals. And so how I feel about it. It's like, yeah, we'll just say whatever we need to say to get you to believe us, and then we'll shoot you in the back. And Cage... Sees this firsthand, like you said, like they're trying to go home and they're being forced to relinquish their arms, and one or two of his guys are murdered. It pushes him too far, you know? I I feel like this is a guy with a code, or at least morals are right and wrong, and he understands you gotta do things in war, but this was just senseless, and they were supposed to be our allies, right? Like this guy who shot my friend was supposed to be on the same side. What is going on here? You know, what do sides mean anymore? He goes in Superman and (laughs) Batman. team up it's it's pretty cool
0: so now that batman and superman have teamed up there's like this great battle like there's this all-out war on this little greek island like you were saying there's planes flying overhead bombing buildings there's ships coming in from the water there's german soldiers everywhere and this little idyllic peaceful town where the biggest problem they had was a pea lodged in the guy's ear is suddenly almost at the heart of world war Two.
1: Yeah, that was a big surprise for me is that we're gonna get a battle at sort of the caliber we would in any major Hollywood blockbuster. There's a lot going on here. Like this is a real taste of the war for this island. Like this is what it's like for real everywhere else where you got these the Nazi panzer tanks, you know, they're going house to house, kicking old people over, right? They're like (laughs) slapping children. They're like super evil and they're way too much. Like they just cannot Hold this island, and sooner than later, the Nazi flag is waving in the town square.
0: And I love this sequence. We were talking about it earlier like a movie called Captain Corelli's Mandolin. You don't expect violence and just destruction almost approaching saving Private Ryan, right? Like you mentioned that earlier, that came out a couple years earlier than this. You don't expect a movie with this title to be such a graphic depiction of war. They've already got this R rating, like they're going to go all out and like things get bloody and brutal and like they just sort of don't pull any punches they want to show you what happened to this little island like almost like an afterthought right like nobody mm-hmm. thinks of greece when you think of world war ii but it's like hey it wasn't just poland it wasn't just this country that country pretty much all of europe had to deal with the nazis in one form or another this is their story and like, look how terrible this is
1: what really drove home to me is just how the Nazis wanted to get into, like, every single little nook and cranny of the planet, right? Like, you could have seriously left this island alone, and before or after the war, no matter who won, nothing that happened here would have mattered, right? Like, in the grand scheme of things. There really didn't seem like any strategical reason to take this island or anything else other than to just take it, just to have it, just to conquer. And since this movie has sort of been, like, this romantic drama for the most part, like, mm-hmm. I just wasn't expecting this to happen but it fits you know it doesn't necessarily come out of left field like things build and it's in the background i like it because it happens it's it's kind of spontaneous but it fits you know it doesn't feel unnecessary at all it it actually feels very necessary like there needed to be a big explosion. like something needed to come to a head right like the, the top of this can needed to pop at some point
0: it pops in a big way here and the resistance does not go well And the Germans are pretty much more in control of the island than they ever have been. And there's just a bunch of Italian guys, including Cage... Like, where are they hanging out when they get ambushed again? Like, where is that? Like, so, what's going on?
1: This reminds me, spoiler alert, but this kind of, rem- it's it's an older movie, but this reminded me of the end of The Great Escape to a degree. Basically, what the Nazis kind of end up doing is they just round up all the Italians and probably the surviving Greek soldiers, drive them out into, like, the middle of nowhere, and just execute them. It's just like that systematic Nazi wave. Of doing things, right?
0: The only reason that Cage was not killed in this ambush is because one of his men jumps in front of him and shields his body from the bullets. And Cage is still hit by a few bullets, but he is the only one of his troop to live. And David Morrissey comes up in the last shot that he's in in the movie, and he holds his pistol sort of above Cage's head, and Cage even tells him, he's like, kill me. And Morrissey can't. Again, kind of humanizing the head of the Nazi party at least in terms of the world of this movie, right? This guy, this face of absolute evil, can't kill Cage just because he's, he's still a guy. This is a guy that he was talking to earlier in the movie. He maybe knows that Cage isn't a bad guy, and he's not even able to pull the trigger. And so this is, again, just sort of a great example of humanizing the face of evil.
1: Yeah, that was really good payoff for me, his character. There's even a moment a little earlier when they're surrendering their arms and he goes to Corelli is like, Yeah, maybe after this we can still be friends, like we could hang out And Corelli looks at him like, What are you kidding me? <laughs> like I never wanna see your face again like, you're an asshole, man. Like look at you have the power to at least say something and you're doing nothing. It's interesting at that moment at the end, I wonder, did he not shoot him because he was like a coward and he, you know, he couldn't live up to what he was supposed to do as a soldier? Or was he trying to give maybe Corelli a chance to survive? I, I don't know. Like, I don't think it was supposed to be that ambiguous. I think he's just, you know, he he was he couldn't pull the trigger like he was supposed to. He couldn't even, you know, if he really wanted to be a friend, he would have done what Corelli wanted, right? His dying words would have, were, shoot me, he should have shot him. I just really like the way that character pays off.
0: We just have the payoff of David Morrissey and we kind of get the payoff of Christian Bale that for this megastar, like literally about to become Batman, right, that he is sort of forgotten for a lot of this movie. He's just sort of brushed aside as Cage and Cruz fall in love. He's sort of swept aside and he comes back through and he finds Cage and brings him back to Penelope Cruz's dad and they bring him back to life. And Penelope Cruz is like, why did you save him? And he says, because I thought that would make you love me again. And, like, it's this heartbreaking moment that, like, this guy's world was turned upside down, right? He was kind of betrothed. They had made this pact to be married. This war comes in. He has to go off to fight war. While he's gone, his girl falls in love with someone else. The only way that he thinks he can get her back is to save the man she loves. He might have the saddest story of all in this movie that, like, he had this great life and then at the end of the movie, he almost has nothing.
1: He turns out to be like one of the more tragic characters here, right? He, he almost starts off as like this imbecile and ends the movie, you know, as like this fully formed adult that has, you know, changed dramatically. He comes to this amazing realization while talking to Penelope Cruz, maybe he never loved her to begin with. He just thought that He was supposed to, maybe just because of society and things, you know, maybe because he wasn't sure of what he even wanted out of life up until that point. He just felt it might have been the right thing to do, to to do right by this woman that he's known and that he definitely cares for. War has changed this guy, you know, like his priorities are entirely different now. He knows, you know, he's not in love with her and he knows that she's in love with Corelli. So, yeah, it's just, it's kind of like this beautiful thing that he ends up doing, right? He, He saves the enemy for the girl. It's kind of great
0: what i like about this whole sort of sequence is that it kind of wraps a lot of things up it brings a lot of things together i guess is a more accurate way of putting it that it sort of puts a bow on bale's story we also learn here that cage was literally saved by his mandolin strings that like they needed something to keep his basically keep his body together right and they had to take his mandolin strings and save him with it what has come to define him for this whole movie is the thing that winds up saving him. And I don't know if it's necessarily that. I don't know if it's the fact that he thought he was supposed to be dead and didn't know how he survived, but he goes to Penelope Cruz and it's just like, look, you were never mine to love. Like I can't do this anymore. Like I shouldn't have been here. I don't know what's happening, but like, I got to get out of here. Find me. They will shoot you both. They're killing you We live this house. I don't belong here. here. I never belonged here. Ever since I came, look what has happened all around you. I
1: love you.
0: I had no right to make you love me when you weren't mine to love It's this moment where both men in Penelope Cruz's life were there at the same time, and now it was almost like she could have had either, and now she's left with neither. It's kind of a sad ending, at least at this point. It's a sad ending for sort of everyone involved, that Christian Bale doesn't get the girl, Cage doesn't believe that he deserves the girl. Penelope Cruz gets neither, and her father sees her unhappy. Talk about a small island ravaged by war. Her life, this family, these four people's lives were equally ravaged by what war did to them.
1: What's kind of interesting is everyone ends up getting away with their lives, but their lives are shattered and crumbled and they all have to start over and they kind of have to start with less than nothing, right? They have less than they even did before because this experience has changed them. You know, Corelli and Penelope and Christian Bale, like they've all gone through this big love-loss sort of triangle now and they're out the other end and each of them are going to sort of part their separate ways alone. The best they can get away with is being alive at this point, but it's like... We have to live this life of suffering. Was it worth it if we have to suffer alone? I don't know. It's interesting.
0: It's like at this point in the movie, like, where else do you go from here? Like, everybody has nothing. Everybody, like you were saying, has maybe less than nothing. There's nothing left for the movie to do, so we time jump a couple years forward to 1947 we're greeted by a narration from penelope cruz's dad and it turns out that he's writing a letter to cage he's like i don't know if you're alive like we got that record that you sent we don't know if you sent it or a friend sent it penelope cruz is doing okay like she's a doctor now but like he says it's something like the saddest thing i've ever heard she's full of uncried tears and grief she's so broken and sad inside but just won't let herself accept it if you ever loved her like She kind of needs you right now. Yeah, they get a package in the mail, and it's a record... And it's
1: Peligia's song, right? It's the song he played in the square that night. He has recorded it and pressed it to vinyl and sent it to her. And like after hearing two or three notes, she can't even listen to the rest of it. Like It's just too painful. The memory is just, you don't want to open that door at all. It is kind of touching. We find out this voiceover has been the letter being written to Captain Corelli, and the father is kind of begging him to come back right he's like the war's over now's the time if you're even alive she needs to see you you guys do belong together
0: but almost before we even have time to process it the screen starts shaking rocks start falling and it's that earthquake that he kind of predicted at the beginning of the movie it's almost like you know having these people been through enough like the war came through they lost everyone they loved like now they have to deal with an earthquake in a weird kind of way, it's like a good thing almost that like this is sort of the shakeup they all need. I mean this is this sort of wakes them all up. I, I'm sure that like a lot of people in the town might have died. They don't really get into that. The important thing is that Penelope Cruz and her father and the little girl that they're now looking after, they're all okay. This is also the shake up that maybe Cage needs. It's not that he's coming here because of the earthquake. It's this transformative event that brings him to town. It almost like shakes things up and like sets it back the way that it's supposed to be
1: yeah yeah I like all of that you know I I was trying to decipher meaning from the earthquake as I was watching it you know and sort of the first thing that popped into my head is how people say when you're in love it feels like the earth is moving you know underneath your feet and stuff like that so I almost felt in one way it's like the manifestation of their love affecting this town but I also like this idea that it's providing clean slate in a way for this new life that's about to begin the island is getting ready for the return of corelli and the wedding and you know all that their life is gonna have together it's like readjusting itself for the magnitude of their love
0: cage says i tried to live without you like i couldn't do it basically like i thought i didn't deserve you but like i i can't go on anymore living without you and it's sort of the happy ending of this movie deserves that you sort of have been hoping for the whole time and it's just kind of great like after this movie of horrible horrific things that have happened to all these characters at least in the end, there's like this love that you can sort of latch onto. that something good came from all this terrible stuff.
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting, too, when she sees Corelli, she says, your scar healed well. And there's definitely some double meaning in that line. The scar of this tragedy is healed, and it's healed well because they have found each other again. I thought that was kind of nice.
0: Yeah, I think it's definitely very nice. And that is Captain Corelli's mandolin. So like I was saying earlier, there's not a whole lot of information online about this. One little thing that would have been cool in terms of what we've been talking about sort of the whole time is that Katie Holmes auditioned for the role that Penelope Cruz had. So, I mean, it was almost another little Batman Begins connection, right? Mm -hmm. That we could have had so many superhero connections in this movie. Anything else that you want to talk about?
1: I only have the one extremely loose Cage connection, which was that uh, the governor from The Walking Dead is in this, and we had Daryl from The Walking Dead in 8mm. Not a true blue Cage connection, but, you know, definitely a loose one.
0: It's close. It's Cage Club adjacent. <laughs> so yes, this was Captain Corelli's Mandolin. For all things Cage Club, to read our reviews on this, find past episodes, past podcasts, past reviews, you can go to cageclub.me. You can also find out how to follow us on Twitter, how to rate review and subscribe on itunes all of your nicholas cage needs all over at cageclub.me i'm joey lewandowski and i'm mike manzi and we'll see you next time on cage club